Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Gio Van Bronckhorst has got the stats of a legend. He played for Rangers, Arsenal, won the Champions League with Barcelona in 2006 and retired at Feyenoord. He has been in three World Cups. Only Snyder, Van der Sar, Raphael van der Baard and Frank de Boer have played more games than him with the Dutch national side. And in fact, he was the captain of the team that lost the final against Spain in 2010, his last professional game. Soon after, Gio assisted the Dutch under-21s and Feyenoord before becoming the manager in 2015. He won the KNVB Cup in his first season and the club's first Eredivisie title for 18 years in 2017. But what makes him fascinating to listen to is the fact that he has been managed by some of the biggest coaches in the world and has played with so many good players that his best 11 of footballers he has shared a changing room with is probably the best ever. Just listen to his choice later on. What is more, he's a good storyteller, a nice guy, and someone who right now is working his way to be not just a respectable manager, but if things go his way, one day he wants to be seen good enough to be the Arsenal boss. This is Inside Football with Guillem Balaguer and today, Gio Van Bronckhorst. Nash Schneider, 35 yards out, quite central. De Zeeu once more strokes it out to Van Bronckhorst. Good possession from Holland. Van Bronckhorst! Oh! What a goal from the skipper! Fully 35 yards! A beautiful strike! From Giovanni Van Bronckhorst. What a goal. One of the best goals in this tournament so far. Kanchelskis, Wallace, Van Bronckhorst can score. Giovanni Van Bronckhorst. Simply the best. Often echoes around Ibrox. Now you know why. And this is Henri. And this is Van Bronckhorst. Van Bronckhorst side. Oh, it's a super goal. Giovanni Van Bronckhorst. You had a fantastic football career and you mix with so many talented players. And I've got an 11 that uh, you've chosen, your you favourite 11. And I would like to go through all of them, including left back Gio. That's the left back you've chosen. Of course, of course. <laughs> uh, and tell us who they, what they like and uh, what stories that yeah. uh, their names bring to you and uh, how they help you along, the, along your, your, your career. Starting with on goal, you could have chosen Victor Valdez, but he went for Van der Sar. Basingwa now will whip the ball in. Torres with a header! Oh, apparent save by Van der Sar! Wonderful save by the Dutchman! Of course, I knew Edwin uh, throughout my career as an as a international player with, with Holland, and uh, we always clicked well, you know, when we were together. And um, so it, for me, uh, you know, he was a very, very nice person. But also a very good goalie, you know. Uh, I think he had a great career in the beginning, you know, uh, with Ajax, you know, winning um, winning the Champions League. You know, have a great career with with, with Fulham, uh, Juventus, short short spell. But uh, after that, you know, Manchester United, you know, for me, uh, you know, he was a good goalkeeper, but also uh, a good uh, and nice person to be around with. So, what what story would you would remember if you have to uh, describe on this other friend during 2006 I think it was in Germany the World Cup you know we had a uh, Van Basten was the coach and and then we didn't if, if someone uh, would uh, turn up late for for breakfast or dinner or 
or a team meeting, you know, he wouldn't give any fines, but you had to tell a joke in front of the whole team. Right. So, and no one, yeah, no one wants to do that because you have the possibility to, to tell a joke and then no one understands Loving the joke. <laughs> so I remember one time with Edwin when he was telling a joke and then afterwards he explained to me that it was, the joke was already finished. But no one left in the in the room, and then he he extended the joke with another joke. So, but it went all wrong, and and then you know it's it's just one of the moments where you uh, where you saw Edwin out of his comfort zone because telling a joke wasn't one of his best uh, uh, aspects. But uh, you know, for me, it it was funny because uh, you know everyone had to do it sometimes, and and for for Edwin, it was just. Uh, a time where you could see uh, that he was feeling really uncomfortable. Right, the uh, the back four is Puyol, Stam, Kuman, and Gio. So let's start with Puyol. In comes the uh, ball ahead of the one goal. It's Carlos Puyol who gives Spain the lead, and it's one that takes Spain to the brink of their first ever World Cup final. Carlos Puyol. A great person, a great defender, and uh, we were, uh, you know, sharing a room uh, with each other, you know, with uh, with the training camp when we in the hotel. But you know, if you have uh, someone uh, who brought character into a team, you know, it was Puyol. You know, he was also a real warrior. You had to pass him two or three times because he always came back. And uh, for me, it's an example how. Uh, how a professional player uh, should be and uh, for me to be playing with him you know at Barcelona you know it was for me it was the perfect uh, the perfect match Piqué always says that uh, he doesn't allow him to fall asleep so he's got Puyol next to him and there will be four nil up but yeah. still you know we will just push you for the 90 minutes but you were at the other side of the pitch so you probably didn't get that kind of thing yes yeah, so I, I think sometimes he played on the left because we had we had Puyol and Marquez and then Puyi would play on the left right. central, so you know he was next to me. But uh, he's also one of the guys who will keep you sharp, and uh, you could do a uh, hundred things good. And if you do one thing bad, yeah, then you, <laughs> then he will scream in your ear. But uh, you know he was always busy to uh, to control the game, to make sure that the shape is is good from the team. And if you're and uh, so for me it was uh, you know perfect because I knew we you know with him behind me I always had cover so I uh, I had a good uh, partnership with him so we knew I knew when I had to uh, get close to my opponent and I knew when the ball went you know into the space that that Puyi would cover me so it's just the interaction uh, what what I had with him but also with all the other players that that makes you a great team. It was. Uh, I remember him telling off Thiago in a celebration of a goal. Thiago being half Brazilian, celebrating the Brazilian. Well, you don't do that at Barcelona. You don't do that at Barcelona. <laughs> Puyol coming into him. You don't do that at Barcelona because no. he was kind of dancing or something. Yeah. But you are. You are. You're not Brazilian, but you are funny. You you like. Yeah, to yeah, yeah. Enjoy yourself. Did you have to stop yourself sometimes in front? No, of no, no, no. Because you know, I um, I knew when I had to. You know, when I had to be. On, on, on top form and, and you know I was never joking in, 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 on the pitch you know when I'm out of the pitch you know in the locker room and in the hotel you know of course I think it's also time uh, to be funny you know to, uh, to make fun of each other and uh, but in the game you know Puyi would have never told me to uh, not to be funny or to, uh, to concentrate on the game because I always had that How serious is Tam? Is he as serious as he looks? I think he's serious because, um, as you said, as he looks in the uh, in the games, I think he had the same uh, character as Puyol. You know, always, uh, always there, always make sure that you know his opponent didn't score, and make sure that he he's keeping everyone sharp around him. And uh, one of the, I think, the best defenders we had with uh, with Holland, and uh, of of course his career. You know, I at the time I was playing with Arcase. You know, I played against Tam. He was uh, he was was playing for Cambuur, and then he had uh, the career went also really fast uh, with him. He went to Willem II, then to PSV, Manchester United. You know, so um, you know, it was very uh, very good to play with him as well on the national team. Stam the friend. 
bring him to us? What 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 is he like? A story that you remember from him? He was also serious outside of the right. on and off the pitch. He was a uh, yeah. He wasn't. Uh, so I can imagine you trying to get him out of that serious phase off the pitch. Yeah, but all the time. Yeah, no, 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 not him because he was very, very serious. But <laughs> no, we had a we had a good uh, you know in the time he was playing ninety eight. He was one of the starters, you know, and I was the a substitute, so I wasn't really uh, around him a lot. You know, I also had my the, the players around me, uh, but it didn't involve Stam. Well, of course, in the, in the two years later in the in, in the Euros two thousand with with Holland, you know, we had a we had a great team. I was playing left back, and Stam was central with Frank de Boer. So, uh, but. You know, he's one of the guys, you know, he didn't, um, he was just showing up for work, do everything he could in a really good way. And then uh, that's all he, uh, he needed. How much do you need players like that in every team? It is, yeah. You have to have the right balance in the team. You cannot have uh, 10 stumps, 11 stumps in one team. The, the mix had to be, you always have uh, a player who, who, who you knew who would... Uh, change games and win games for you but and every team needs a player like that maybe one or two you need players who will who will uh, make sure that the, the shape is fine and the balance is good and it's, it's it's nice because if I look all the great teams I played in and now as a manager um, yeah, it's 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 really nice to uh, to work hard and to uh, to create teams where everything falls into the right place was Koeman one of the first uh, midfield centre-backs? He was, he was. He was, of course, you know, with uh, at, at Barcelona, and but also in Holland, he was a, a defender who was very comfortable on the ball, really comfortable, and uh, with his passing and his, his, uh, his vision. Uh, I think he's one of the... Uh, the defenders where you, where you saw, oh, when he's got the ball, you know, something will happen. And uh, I remember because I was on holiday um, in Spain where the news came where that he, that he was transferred to Feyenoord. And I couldn't believe it because I had the chance to to play with one of my idols, you know, the 88 Holland team. You know, pff, it's amazing, uh, that team. And I had the chance to play with one of them. So the moment he came in, of course, you know, I was... Looking up to Ronald and uh, because of who he was and what he achieved, but uh, I I remember at that time I I every minute I could spend with him on the pitch out of the pitch I was always around him because I wanted to learn from him. One advice that you kept from him, or one idea, something that he you learned from that you st- stuck in your mind. No, I think with what what he saw was that that I had the talent. And uh, he was one of the first who told me, you know, if you go on like this, you, you, can, you can play on the highest level. He saw the potential I had. And, uh, you know, I remember um, training a couple of times a week, free kicks with Ronald, you know, just looking how he, how he plays the ball. And, and it was funny because in games he always said to me, come, come with me uh, with the free kicks. And then every game and, and then I, I was... <laughs> The first games I was asking, who's going to take it? You want to take it? I take it. And Ronald always said, I'm taking it. <laughs> and, and, then, and then later, you know, I, did, I even didn't bother to ask because I knew that he would take them. So come on, England. Let's see if we can hold it out again. Again, it's Ronald Koeman. Again, the problem is there. Again, it's a critical moment. He's going to flip one now. He's going to flip one. He's going to flip one. And it's in. This is Inside Football with Guillem Balaguer and special guest Giovanni Van Bronckhorst. Up next, we find out what it's like to play with Xavi, Andres Iniesta and Patrick Vieira. This is Inside Football with Guillem Balaguer and special guest Giovanni Van Bronckhorst. Barcelona coming forward with Iniesta and now with Xavi. Xavi inside the penalty area, right-footed ball, cannons off the defender and goes beyond Almunia and into the net. Messi on the edge of the area, right-footed shot from Iniesta! Andres Iniesta has scored for Barcelona! Chelsea hard! Fiera 
to make it 3-0 over Richard Wright. Easy peasy for Patrick Vieira, who celebrates down under the clock end. Xavi steps up and he scores. Low right-footed into the corner. And Barcelona are surely on their way to the semi-finals of the Champions League already. Your team is 4-3-3, of course. Been Dutch. Uh, and the midfield is Xavi, Patrick Vieira and Iniesta. Let's start with, uh, with Xavi. Uh, Xavi now uh, is about to start his career as a, as a manager. Yeah. And he talks about what he believes is the way to play football, almost as, as if it's the only way to play football. Did you have a lot of football conversations with him and you could see that he had a clear idea what he wanted uh, on a football pitch? Um, <clears throat> well, of co- yeah, of course. We were talking about um, the way we played, you know, uh, training tactical, and you could see, you know, that the players from Barcelona were developed, you know, as a Barcelona player. You could you could see, and and I think Xavi and Iniesta were both similar players. I always saw Xavi, you know, as the link-up player from defense to midfield, and then going forward, and Iniesta exactly the same, but from midfield to to the attack, you know, and and, and that's why I have them both in my team, and. Uh, it's amazing because you know I, I I when we were training at Barcelona we do a lot of four v four games you know sh- short games where we when you had to man mark and I was always you know uh, yeah I was playing against Xavi or Iniesta or Messi you know so for me the trainings were were exactly um, sometimes tougher than games because I was playing against the best and I could develop myself and. What I always remembered about Xavi and Iniesta that their ability to um, to control their area, to control the the, uh, the space around them, they exactly knew where the space was, where their opponent was. So they you could not uh, get the ball from them because it looked like they had eyes in their backs, and and that's that's uh, one thing I remembered. Uh, playing against Xavi and Iniesta at training. Personally, Xavi is uh, perhaps more of a vocal leader. Yeah. Iniesta is the quiet leader that does it on the pitch. Is that how you will differentiate them? Yeah, because uh, Xavi was one of the captains you know, at Barcelona and he was always, uh, as you said, he was uh, talking a lot. You know, he was also uh, on, on the pitch, you know, uh, you know, doing his work, but you know, outside of the pitch, you know, he was also making fun, and and he, so he was more, uh, his presence was more than than Iniesta at that time because Iniesta also was quite younger. But uh, you know, I really enjoyed playing with both of them. Were you aware that Iniesta, who told his story, personal story, in a book, but he's also spoken about it, that he's gone through difficulties, depression and uh, moments where um, he could not find happiness. Were you aware of any of that? Um, I, I don't think you... Um, um, I don't think you are aware of uh, what goes on in, in, in minds of your, of your colleagues. Sometimes you have an idea, of course, but at that time, you know, Iniesta was... Uh, you know, was the, he had uh, players in the in the squad who could play as well. You know, you had Van Bommel, you had Deco, you had Xavi. So Iniesta wasn't uh, in in my time um, a starter starter. You know, he was on and off the the, the the first eleven and sometimes play. You know, on the wing like he's doing now. You know, he's changing a lot uh, his positions. But um, you know, I can remember. Uh, Oh, I can I can understand you know when you're not playing or maybe in in your personal life things will happen that you are uh, sometimes keep things to yourself and close to your chest but uh, I think every player has moments where maybe he's struggling a bit not getting the minutes you want but I think personal life you know uh, in in uh, in players uh, performances is is a is a very important factor it's a bit surprising because you come from a culture, the, the Dutch culture, where talk, it's, uh, yeah. it's, it's something that's very common. You, you, you talk and talk and talk and talk. I imagine it's more tactical talk or what happens on the pitch than yeah. beyond that. It is, yeah. It is because, uh, you know, I think, uh, uh, you know, Catalan um, people are very, uh, very um, close to their family. So it's, it's, 
for me, you know, the first years, only in my, my third and fourth, fourth years, I would, I would have Catalan friends because they, you know, they, 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 they invited me into the inner circle. It's very hard to, to get into to, to the inner circle with Catalan people. But once you're in the circle, you know, you're one of them. Mm-hmm. And, and as you said, in Holland, we are more outspoken, more extrovert, talking with everyone. And, and that's totally the opposite I felt um, in Spain. In fact, uh, you're famous when you join in the national side to actually argue things, sometimes publicly as well. But take us to one of those conversations uh, in the camp when, when tactics are discussed. Does everybody have a say? Does the manager get involved? Are they relevant conversations? Well, with Barcelona? No, with the national side. Because you're famous, Holland famous for... But it is, it is. I guess when, uh, and I... I um, I experience the same now as a coach because we are uh, the Dutch are always, you know, uh, we, 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 we say what we think. So, and, and many times, you know, uh, with the national team or, or with uh, now as a coach, I, uh, I talk with the players about situations and, and, and everyone has his opinion and we tell their opinion. Sometimes you think, well, maybe it's better to not say your opinion because the coach says something and... I like that also because it's 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 creating a really uh, dynamic uh, uh, environment where where players uh, feel comfortable to talk about situation instead of you know uh, doing what the coach says. But also, you know, I need to have feedback from my players, and maybe they feel something else on the pitch, and then I have to think about that as well. So, in fact, that's the that's the football culture in Holland and in Spain as a consequence. You try the players to understand the game by talking about it, by explaining, yeah. by letting them uh, give you feedback. Yeah. So when they take decisions on the pitch, they're based on. It is because rationale. you know, of course, you know, we had um, and uh, we had it with the national team and also with Barcelona. We had a we had a system we believed in. Uh, everyone knew what to do, and. Uh, it didn't matter what uh, the opponents did. We all knew what was the system, what we had to do, when I had to drop a, a bit deep, when I had to be a bit high up. Uh, and, and I think that is, um, that's what you want from your players. You know, give them tools in the game where, where everything can happen, but they are comfortable in, in changing maybe a bit shape, maybe the way they play to overcome and to, to react well on the, on the, on the opponent. There's two ways to look at the crisis of Dutch football now. One is the coaching hasn't been so good and the players leave too early. Two, you are a small country. It's only normal that you have a generation which is spectacular and yeah. then just dis- you just disappear and then you will come back. I mean, which one do you buy? I think it's a bit of both. I think we are still a small country. You know, I think we had a... You know, we have a very good um, academy set up in, in Holland... Uh, maybe in the um, maybe one of the the best um, in Europe in the world many years ago. But you know the, the the countries around us they are developing as well. So I think that the the have you fallen asleep? You think? In, in, no, we don't fall asleep because I think we are. Um, you know, people. Um, you know, Germany, Spain. You know, they kept developing, and and uh, so in in that way. Uh, the 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 gap is getting smaller and smaller, and now maybe those countries are ahead of us. You know, if you see England, how many great academies they have. Uh, Spain, Germany, you know, is is very strong with a, a, a lot bigger country. And if you combine that with uh, big clubs, you know, uh, buying all our big talents from the age of sixteen, and uh, and maybe a generation who is not uh, filled with the talent we had before. Yeah, I think that's that's why you are not uh, involved in big tournaments now two year, two two times in a row. In the midfield is Patrick Vieira, of course, which in your midfield will balance the uh, the, the, the the playing ability of Xavi Iniesta yeah. with his strength. He's the general. How kind of what kind of leader was he? He was a um, he was also a leader by. Um, by, by the things he, he did on the pitch. Patrick was not uh, was very uh, very quiet and, and maybe a bit like myself, 
you know, quiet, but sometimes the things he said, you know, really, really counted. And uh, you knew when Patrick was uh, saying something or was angry that, that something was really wrong. And, uh, you know, I always had good contact with Patrick, you know, also when he became coach. And, uh, you know, I really uh, love to see him now developing as well as a coach and, and you know, make sure he's, uh, he is enjoying the life as a, as a coach now. What kind of conversations do you two have now as coaches? Oh, we're talking about uh, about everything, you know, about uh, about training, uh, 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 training staff. You know, I remember when I was in Manchester, he was still at Manchester at the time uh, in the youth, uh, that we went out for dinner and talked uh, talk about general things. And uh, you know, of course, he's now a coach of uh, New York FC, where the technical director is one of my best friends, Claudia Reina. So we have uh, we have the connection there and. Uh, so it's uh, it's nice to see because he was also really a nice person. And uh... ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. You want to be around nice people. Magic ball from Bergkamp to Patrick Vieira! Coming up next on Inside Football with Guillem Balaguer and special guest Giovanni Van Bronckhorst, we discuss one of Holland's greatest ever strikers and just what it's like making the transition from player to manager. You are listening to Inside Football with Guillem Balaguer and special guest Giovanni Van Bronckhorst. It's Jurgensen who's onside, right for the ball inside the penalty area, Vilhena! One nil final! Manchester United's defensive resistance is broken. Manchester United nil. And it's Mourinho's first game in this competition for 13 years. Going to end in defeat. You were four years as an assistant before you actually made the jump as a number one. Yeah. Two things about that. Four years as an assistant. That's not usual. Normally it's like one year, I'm Gio, give me a job. And a lot of uh, former players go through that. Yeah. Uh, but you felt that four years was necessary for your development. I think it was the, a good thing to do uh, because the first year I was um, actually after the World Cup final uh, four weeks later I was already uh, at size you know uh, learning for my uh, my coaching batches and uh, but I think the um, the experience of being around uh, Kuman as a coach uh, and and later uh, Fred Ritten you know for me it was was good because I had to I could have developed my uh, uh, the way of 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 of, of uh, communicating with with the players, you know, watching games, making analysis, what uh, making making uh, training drills, uh, watch the opponents, uh, watch my own team, uh, developing the players, you know, and and for me, just the the time didn't uh, felt right to become head coach, and I knew, you know, when the feeling was there. 
I, I, you know, I have to do it. And uh, eventually, that for me, it came in 2015, where the coach um, only signed for a year, written, and we knew in uh, in March, the club knew in March that he wouldn't uh, uh, sign a new contract. So they were looking for a new head coach, and you know, of course, look look within uh, Feyenoord. Um, who would uh, who would be uh, available and who would want to be coach? And I think from that moment on, I I I I had a feeling inside that this was the time, you know, the time to step in and to to become head coach and to um, yeah to give it a shot. That's the magic of being a, a manager, isn't it? That there is nothing written ahead of you. You're yeah. the one putting the uh, the, the rules and creating the path and and you know if you get it wrong you get it wrong but uh, you have already put the foundations enough foundations to be able to get more better answers than wrong answers is that yeah. how you feel right now in your career yes i think so because it's um it's only my uh, my third year as a as a manager and um you know i i really um, enjoy and 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 sensed uh, success you know especially for my my club final which was the club where i was playing since i was 7 years old so it's 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 really uh, great to to be champion with 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 my club because as a player i i wasn't champion and now as a coach i I was a champion, you know, I won the, uh, the cup final, we won the charity shield. It's a very um, uh, great period in the history of my club. So, and to be head coach of this team, you know, it's, 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 it's a really, uh, it's an honor for me. You won with Feyenoord, you won as a player with, say, Arsenal, Barcelona, but in the case of Arsenal, why did they win? What brought them to win? I think we had... Um, you know, in, in my time with Arsenal, mm. it, it, I think it was the same. You know, in, in every team I um, I played in who had success, you know, you had everyone, uh, you know, on the same page. It's very difficult because you have your starting lineup, you have your substitutes who will sometimes go in, sometimes not, some players who don't come in. And, and you as a coach have to make sure that that it remains a team, and 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 it's it's sometimes it's um, the task of a coach of uh, explaining and and telling players what their role is, and they have to uh, make sure that they uh, that they accept the role. Sometimes it's very hard because you can only start eleven players. You will disappoint sixteen, seventeen players, and sometimes the energy will will go more to your substitutes than to your starters. And it's um, you have to have a balance in that because, you, of course, you cannot put all your energy into the substitutes because you have to prepare your, your, your starting lineup. And I think that's one thing that's very important for a coach. But as a team at Arsenal, at Barcelona, at Rangers, with the national team, I always felt that um, everyone was... Uh, going the same way including fans that's important isn't it to send the right message and to I don't want to say manipulate but to actually get the, 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 the fans on board yeah it is yeah because you know I think the fans uh, they want to support their club and they want to see um, that you are playing the way which suits the club you're in I mean it's uh, and that you know, the way we played with Arsenal, you know, with a lot of movement, with a lot of passing, with a lot of intelligence in the team. Uh, you know, people like to see that uh, because it suited Arsenal. You know, with Barcelona, we were brought up 4-3-3. Spanish players were brought up, players who came in. We knew our system, you know, we, we knew we, we, uh, we could have, we could enjoy the, the football. And uh, and make sure that you uh, you play the Barcelona way, and we did. You know, we I came in 2003. They had some uh, some bad years before. Uh, you remember with the bicycle kick of Rivaldo that they were qualified for the UEFA Cup, not even the Champions League. And after that, you know, we started the, the season, you know, not really good. You know, Frank Rijkaard in my first season in November already, uh, you know, on the brink of getting fired. And then after that, we had a, a run 
till the end of the season where we won all of our games and became second and qualified for the Champions League and and that really started uh, you know the the rise of the Barcelona way. So you've been to all these clubs and we're talking about fans they create an atmosphere of course so you've been at the old firm you've been at a Clásico you've been at a Spurs Arsenal which one is more electric or which one brings more memories? <clears throat> I think all of them. I think it's 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 great to um to to play those games and to understand what it means to the fan. And you have to take that on the pitch because if I if I ask a, a Rangers fan what is the biggest game in the world and he would say the old firm you know the same for Barcelona and Madrid fans or Arsenal Tottenham Feyenoord Ajax and it's I think it's very important for for the team to know what the game means and in all those games I played uh, you know I I knew what it meant for the club and for the fans I think that's the most important way but if you see you know uh, I think El Clasico is, is one of the biggest Uh, games uh, rivalries in the world because I think the whole world is watching that game mm -hmm. and that makes that game I think very special we're talking about uh, Patrick Vieira going back to the front three now which I'll announce them but we'll talk about them in a minute Messi Beckham and Ronaldinho of course but Patrick Vieira and you look to me like Arsenal managers people that have got a special way of playing the game of behaving I think <coughs> it's important of relating to the club and the fans who is going to get there first I don't know I don't know <laughs> but uh, yeah it's as, as you said eh, it's um, I think Patrick is uh, uh, also a, a player um, you know who is taking the, the first steps in, in managing uh, a team managing a club for me it's the same and you know I can only speak uh, for myself but you know as, as a player you know I had dreams you know, dreams uh, in the career I had. And as a coach, you know, I have the same. You know, every coach wants to be uh, involved in, in the big competitions. I think my ambition is clear, but, um, you know, I, I also uh, uh, know that in football you, uh, you can have ambitions, but eventually it will, you, you never know how your career will, 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 uh, will proceed. But... Uh, You know. But it is an ambition to manage it is. Arsenal and Barcelona as well. I think if I, I always say if, if I get one of the clubs I had, you know, abroad as a manager, it would be really nice. But, you know, it's also, you know, and, and, and as a football player, you, you have a career, you sign a contract. And as a coach, you also know, know that you are, you, have, you are successful today and tomorrow you can be you can be uh, fired. I mean, that's also the, the life of a manager. And uh, for me, it doesn't change the way I work, doesn't change uh, how, I, how I see my future. You know, I just uh, enjoy the day and, and work hard for tomorrow. And uh, we'll see what happens. You can only worry about the things you can control. You cannot worry about yes. things. Yes, and, and, and as a manager, you can control a lot, but not everything. I think I'm going to go to Messi last. Yeah. But first, Bergkamp. Uh, elegance, right choices. That's the thing people forget. It's not just that he looks really good when he touches the ball. He chooses the right decision most yeah. of the time. Is that how his main strength? I think he has the same because he, you know, his, his technical ability, his, his vision and his, his uh, knowing your surrounding. I think he was excellent. Because, you know, I, 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 of course, I saw Dennis playing a lot with Ajax, but eventually uh, training with him with the national team and, and later with Arsenal every day. And I think in, 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 in football, you, you could see uh, the potential and how, how good players are when you train with them. And I had that same, same with Berkham. He, he seems very quiet. Uh, I don't know if off the pitch he was, he was somebody that you know just did his job and, and that's about it. Was was that what it was? Like? No, he was. He was. Uh, I was sharing the room with him at Arsenal, and I think Dennis is one of the guys who uh, who is, uh, as you said, you know, on the pitch he's very uh, very strict. You know, always 
serious, but I think he's one of the players outside of the pitch, off the pitch. He is, um, he's quite funny, and people don't know that side of him. But tell I know. Us, tell us a story of his. No, because he's, uh, he's, um, you know, it was always funny making fun of each other, of 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 his teammates, of Patrick, always laughing about Patrick or, or Pires, of Henry and. That was that was Dennis, and uh, but he could you know who could he could uh, he could tell things when where you could uh, where five seconds you're thinking is is he serious or is he making a joke or is he serious you know <laughs> kind of uh, kind of dark humor and that's what Dennis had and I, I always had um, I always had fun with him yeah. Did you ever have to drive him a long way? No, because I always drove with him to the stadium. But you know, I could remember playing against uh, against Roma. I think he he once went uh, went by car to Italy, and he didn't play. I think he didn't play any minute. <laughs> was he happy over that? I don't know, but he was. I don't know, he was. He was. Um, I think he was okay with it. You know, because you know he didn't he didn't uh, go into uh, to the plane, and and he was always by car, and everyone knew it. And for I think for us wasn't the, wasn't the big thing. A wonderful night's work from Arsenal and it's not finished yet because Dennis Bergkamp has put his stamp on the evening in the grand manner Ever wondered what it's like to play with arguably the greatest ever footballer? Coming up on Inside Football Gio Van Bronckhurs tells us what it's like to line up alongside Lionel Messi This is Inside Football with Guillem Balaguer and a special guest, Giovanni Van Bronckhorst. Minutes away from an audience with the special one. And I just wonder whether he'll want to try to change and look at this game now. Terry's header only as far as Iniesta. Now Ronaldinho. Oh, it's a terrific goal. Wonderful, wonderful goal. Absolutely breathtaking. Ronaldinho, you just didn't see it coming. And in the blink of an eye, back of the net. Petr Cech, Petr Cech never moved. I mean, before you even blink, it's in the back of the net. That is absolutely outrageous. That's why he's World Player of the Year. Next, Ronaldinho. You talked about that season where everything seemed to go pear-shaped for Barcelona. Edgar Davids comes in. Everything kind of settles a little bit. They yeah. change, you change formation. But there was that famous game at midnight against Sevilla in which he yeah. scored from, like, I don't know, 40 metres, whatever it was. What, what, what do you remember of that particular game? I don't remember that game because I didn't play in that game because there was a lot of uh, talk about the game because... Are you with the national side? Yeah, we I had guess, to... Yeah. Uh, I think we had to uh, uh, play with the national team because they wanted the, the game on, on Monday, I think. It was about the, the, the amount of time you had to give between uh, yeah. playing the previous game and giving time to the national side. So they decided to play it at midnight, just before yeah, the five, midnight. Yeah, five past midnight, because it, that counted as the next day. Yes. I think it was Tuesday, and, and they played on Monday, five minutes past midnight. And I remember that the, the Dutch players weren't involved, because we were already um, uh, with the national team. And I couldn't see the game, because they, it wasn't on TV. And of course, after I saw the game, where, where he scored, you know, the dribble, and he scored maybe from, I don't know, 50 yards or 40, 40 yards. And... It was the uh, I think it ended one one, and it was um, yeah I think one of the the first times you could see uh, and and the, the Barcelona and the new camp saw uh, what Ronaldinho was capable of on the pitch uh, we we've all seen it he, he was a legend perhaps he only picked for a year and a half two years the special special Ronaldinho including being clapped at the Santiago Bernabéu yeah yeah I mean. I think people always ask me who was better, you know, Messi, Ronaldinho, who was the better player, but I think they're both magnificent, but I think I think Ronaldinho was for me, he was for me he was magic because you never knew what he was going to do. And and with Messi in his way, sometimes you you could see what he what he what he what he's going to do and he does it. But Ronaldinho you never knew. He always told me, you know, when, when, when I have the ball, you keep running. Keep making the space and then I can give it to you or I can go by myself. <laughs> and, and I knew, I knew, you know, I was making the space for him. But I, I knew that he would change the game. And he was always with a smile and he wasn't a fake smile, was it? No, he was always laughing. And I remember some, you know, sometimes uh, we would, uh, we would uh, see each other... Um, at the airport, Barcelona, you know, he was traveling to Brazil. I was traveling with my family to Holland. And 
you know, of course, a lot of people around him, but he always took time, you know, to say hi to my kids and, and to say hi to my wife. And then, you know, that, 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 that was the player he was, you know, he was, um, you know, for me, uh, playing with him in front of me, you know, it was, it, for me, it was a dream because I could play the ball to him and then I go make my runs and I knew I would get the ball back or he would score or he give the ball an assist. And, uh, for me, it's, uh, he was one of the best players um, to have in front of me. Why didn't Ronaldinho stay longer at the top? I don't know. I don't know. You know, maybe um, it's also, as you said, it's very hard to um, to come to the top or to stay at the top. It's 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 very difficult, because especially with players like Ronaldinho, uh, Messi, uh, Ronaldo, you know, the really top, top players. And that's why it's so... Uh, Good to see, and, and and you know I admire you know Messi and and Cristiano Ronaldo how many years they are in the top of their game, and that that doesn't come uh, by itself. It's it's hard work for it, you know, and and make sure you're living uh, living uh, the best you can. For the Messi biography that I wrote, I spoke to Ronaldinho, and he told me of that first training session when Leo came. And did a couple of things in it after the rondos, after the pigs in the middle. There were there were a, a small game, and he did a couple of things. And Ronaldinho told Deco, "This is the guy that's yeah. going to take my number one place." And at the time, Ronaldinho was the best player in the world, yeah. as in bar none. Yeah, I remember. I remember. I remember. I uh, remember. I was with the national team, and and they were playing Porto. They took all the the players who are uh, with the national team weren't playing that game, but. They took Messi as well from Barca C at the moment. And uh, I remember Henk ten Kaat uh, phoning me after the game and telling me, you know, we now have a talent. It's unbelievable, he said. Mm-hmm. And, and, and they substituted everyone and he was the only one on the bench. And then, and then Henk said to, against Frank, well, give him 10 minutes because everyone played, give him 10 minutes. And then he, he, people were like, well, who is this? And I remember in, in training, as you said, you know, one of the first times he trained and he was playing against uh, Mota. And, and Mota was really struggling for and was, was a, a first-team player. And Messi was all over him, you know, was going left, going right, you know. And, and everyone knew, oh, who is this guy? And everyone knew this is, this is something special. Here's the free kick then for Barcelona. And it will be Messi along the ground and in under the wall. Absolutely stunning. The man is a master. Luis Suarez brings it forward towards the edge of the penalty area. Here's Messi. Is this goal number 100 in the Champions League? Yes, it is. And here he is again, moving into the box, going past the defender, leaving on his backside, chipping the goalkeeper and scoring a fantastic goal. What a finish from Lionel Messi. If there's a better player in the world, I've never seen him. We knew um, he was something special and, and we all felt like it was our duty to make sure that this is the player who will be, uh, as you said, in the footsteps of Ronaldinho and, and, and the, the next star of Barcelona. And we knew that. Everyone knew that. So we all put energy in Leo. Last two. We got to the World Cup final. You captained Holland that day. Uh, I remember talking to you after the, the World Cup final. You were obviously frustrated. It, was, it could have been completely different. It could, yeah. I would just watch last week the final again. You know, I just I'm just scared of the day that Robin actually scores because he could he could have yeah. twice. What what memories have you got of, of that game? I think two moments will stand out from that game in the second half. Is one was I think the um, the pass to uh, to Robin, you know, where he could have scored, and also the the moment that that uh, Arjen went through and 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 Puyol, you know, he he. He fouled him mm-hmm. and he and he, he he went down and then he st- he stood up again and I think that's the moment where Puy uh, would have gotten his second yellow but you know I also asked Aryan why he didn't uh, lay down because it was a foul he said yeah but the goal was so close you know I said I I I, I sensed that at that moment that I could have scored and I, really that uh, was lucky for for Puyol but uh, you know you know it was a close game. And especially when you're nearing the penalty, did you think it felt any kicks? Yeah, but you saw uh, it's just a moment where uh, you are not focused. The shape wasn't good, 
you know van der Vaart uh, ending as a left back so I think it's uh, it was very close that game finally I would like you to explain a moment in your career I've got a suggestion but you, you choose it of course one that uh, you remembered a lot told the story a lot and put it in context I'm thinking perhaps the goal in the World Cup against Uruguay but uh, you chose just tell us where it comes from what happened because you've got a good memory Every player has a moment in the career where people say, well, there was Sven Bronkhorst or there was Ronaldinho. I think that goal was, for me, uh, where people remind me of. And I remember the goal really clear because um, a couple of months uh, before that, I made the same goal against PSV in the cup, exactly the same. Uh, but I remember getting the ball. I remember shooting the ball. And... Uh, I remember the feeling when the ball went off my foot and I remember total silence. When I shot the ball, I, I, I had, it was like a movie where you, where you shoot a, a ball and then the sound stops. And then, you know, you see the ball getting closer and closer to the goal and, and the more you're, you're thinking, it's going to be a goal, it's going to be a goal. And then the ball goes in, you know, in the top corner and then, and then, The sound came up again. Good possession from Holland. Van Bronckhorst! Oh! What a goal from the skipper! Fully 35 yards! A beautiful strike from Giovanni Van Bronckhorst! It would be a waste to share so many experiences with so many big names of the game and not learn from it. But to actually take something from them, you have to be humble enough and have ears opened to those influences. Gio Van Bronckhorst has certainly taken bits from everybody that taught him something and what is more he's liked in Glasgow London Rotterdam Barcelona and anywhere he has been because he likes to listen he's generous with his time entertaining and he's open to share what he knows too he knows he has worked very hard to get to where he is but also that he had the breaks that helped him get there and did you notice he has always a smile on his face you can almost hear it Gio is someone who embraces life and is not too obsessed with the destination but enjoys every single minute of the life he has been handed. You have heard Inside Football with me, Guillem Balaguer and Gio Van Brokhorst. Hasta luego.